The trade deadline has come and passed. The Knicks made no deals. The Nets made a couple. And besides DeMarcus Cousins to the Pelicans, there really weren't any major moves today. A little bit underwhelming. I'm Christian Goey here with Brendan O'Connell, Tyler Freer on Pick and Pod. And we have a very special guest today. We have the founder of the Pick and Pod yes, podcast, Kenny Ducey, Fordham WFUV alum and Sports Illustrated's own. He's doing a bunch of stuff, not just covering basketball. He's all over social media. If you don't follow him, follow him now. Kenny, how you doing, man? I am doing very well. I'm a little tired, but hanging in there. And uh, it is really nice that we have some warm weather out. Yeah. yeah. A little, a little, little global, global warming coming through. <laughs> So yeah, reaping the benefits, you know. <laughs> so let me just first get your thoughts on, on on the day. We we heard a bunch of rumors: Paul George, Jimmy Butler, Carmelo Anthony, Derrick Rose. A lot of names being floated around as normal as usual, and unfortunately, no major moves that we could really talk about. But we're still going to talk about the potential moves that didn't happen. Uh, what what are your thoughts on on the day? Uh, kind of like an um, underwhelming trade deadline. Well, yeah, it was a little boring, and I think that after a, a kind of boring trade deadline and a boring all-star break that, well, I shouldn't say break because DeMarcus Cousins got traded, but game right. and weekend, um, we need a good playoff. Uh, and so I, I think um, I, I'm, I'm willing to kind of lump the Boogie Cousins trade in. I mean, I, I guess you can. To the yeah, I guess. It makes it a little sexier, but like, today was just kind of, kind of a drag. It was interesting, a couple things, like the Sixers, we're not used to seeing the Sixers kind of get fleeced. Or yeah, lose they did. Because, right, because Sam Hinkie was so good at, at <laughs> trading, and uh, they clearly they made some weird moves today, um, getting a get that they thought they would be able to move, and then they couldn't, and now they're releasing him, it looks like, and uh, they traded the wrong big man, really, and didn't get a lot for him. And then you've got the biggest story to me, which kind of underscores the fact that it was kind of boring, was that Doug McDermott's now going to the Thunder, which is huge for them because now Russell Westbrook has a real shooter to pass the ball to. Right, no more Andre Roberson. (laughs) Right, Roberson was not a great shooter. He was a really good defender. And, you know, I think there's there's enough interior defense and Russ can chase enough guys around on the perimeter that I'm not, like, really – Sweating the fact that McDermott can't play defense, you just you you needed a guy who could take the ball, who could score, and they had no one who could really do that and just on catch and shoot shots. So Russ now has a has got to be really happy that he's got McDermott, and uh, I, you know and Taj Gibson too. That's a that's a no. you know a guy who can bang down there with Stephen Adams, a good rebounder and defender. You know I, I like that move for the Thunder, and I mean not really not as much for the Bulls. I have no idea. You know, Joffrey Laverne's all right. Yeah. Cameron Payne is all right, but I don't know if that's enough of a return for for McDermott. Anyway, that was a long way of saying <laughs> pretty boring, and those were like the two really only big things to me that's out, other than like the non-move. No, I, I, I completely agree, and I was saying to Tyler, I know Cameron Payne was a lottery pick, and I know he had s- decent expectations uh, coming to the Thunder as maybe, you know, the— potential Westbrook replacement we didn't know Westbrook was going to sign an extension and next thing you know I I feel like the Bulls kind of got shafted on that deal Taj Gibson is a pretty darn good rotational player and Doug McDermott has talent and they gave up a second round pick for basically Cameron Payne and Joffrey Laverne and Anthony Murrow Uh, but 
I mean, I, I was sort of surprised about that one. And, and Philadelphia also surprised us. They basically did did not get a first round pick. It's not like I don't think Dallas is gonna is gonna be past eighteen, no. right? It's one through eighteen protected. Protected, yeah. I believe. Right. Well, that's so. That's the yeah. It's essentially it's so. What happens there is it's going to be two first. It's going to be two second round picks if they decide if they don't get it. I mean, it's it's, it's essentially two second round picks because Dallas is not going to meet the protection. Um, so uh, you know they'll keep their first round pick. The Sixers will get two seconds, and yeah, it, yeah. it just didn't. That was brutal for them. You mentioned the you know the Payne and Laverne thing again. I mean, I honestly think that. Laverne is like the uh, better of the two options that they'll end up getting because I know that Miritich is talking about uh, leaving and in free agency, so they could kind of use a stretch four. And Laverne can shoot; he plays defense, he rebounds. Like I, I, he's a low key uh, guy. I really like. They got him from, uh, I believe the they got him from the Nuggets, I believe. And and yeah, so yeah. that you know he, he's um so they flip him here. And he's yeah, I mean he's a, I think he's a kind of solid guy who come off the bench for the Bulls, but like yeah, I mean he's definitely not a centerpiece in this trade and um, that you want back. And then Payne, like we just haven't seen a lot of him. I joke yeah, he's been off his the court. picture on his picture on Google is like a two K picture, like that's how little <laughs> you've seen this guy on the court. Um, he's talented, but and he's young, but like it's this is too much of a risk to take. Kenny Brendan O'Connell here. Um, just what do you think about what happened or didn't happen really in New York with the Knicks and the Nets and where do you see uh, their directions headed into the future? I am so glad you asked me about the Knicks, Brendan, because I have so many takes about the Knicks <laughs> all the time. And I, So the one thing that you can't do here is blame the Knicks for not doing anything because it, it looks like they didn't get a, a good enough offer for O'Quinn or Lee or Mello, which – I'm not – first of all, you have Courtney Lee. He's young enough. You have him for a few years. Uh, you don't need to trade him right now. I think he'll be a valuable asset at next year's deadline as well right. to a team that's trying to compete. Um, you know, whether or not he was he's unhappy in New York is another story. There is kind of rumors that he might be unhappy with, you know, the fact that the team's losing and he didn't sign up for this when he signed with them in free agency for sure. less money. Yeah. So. That's a whole nother issue, right? If he's upset, but I, I don't think he is, and I think that it's um, you, again you can trade him next year. O'Quinn, no one was going to give him first for O'Quinn. You're not going to get the I'm package back that, for actually. Carmelo that you wanted to get back for him. Now that's a whole other issue where a he doesn't want to leave New York, and b you're not going to be able to get much more for him now or later than you are now. Like his value is only going to go down. But I think all in all, they didn't really, they weren't blown away by any offers, which it kind of makes sense, like you couldn't expect to be. And the Rubio thing, that was the reports after the deadline were that basically the Timberwolves just broke off talks, which good for them because, you know, this guy is getting paid like 25 mil this year. He is an expiring deal, uh, but just a headache for. You know, Tibbs really wanted them, obviously, but it's like, would you give up this guy on, on a one-year deal or give up Ricky Rubio for a guy on a one-year deal, um, you know, just to see him walk over the summer? And, like, Rubio, he's 26. He's got a few years left on his deal. I believe this is a free agent in 2020. Um, he's a little injury-prone. He can't shoot. So that's that's why people were a little, like, skeptical of the Knicks going after him because, you know, who knows with this guy if he's going to keep getting hurt. And if he's, you know, you do have to pay him like $11, 12000000 million, right. I believe, maybe more than that. So 
I think overall, though, the trade would have been good for the Knicks. It wasn't like a must-have. You didn't, you didn't have right, to right. trade. And a lot of people were making it a must-have. Exactly. And it's because it's New York, and we love to you know, talk about the moves that the Knicks don't make. And like, oh, Bill Jackson's sitting on his hands. And yeah. No, the truth is that I really think it was just a move that like, would have been okay. But you know, I, I think in the end, like you're not killing yourself that you didn't get Ricky Rubio. I think ultimately it would have been good, though, because – they do need a distributor. Um, they don't need a scorer like Rose. Like Rose breaks down the defense. He gets to the basket. Great. He's still pretty good at that, actually. He's really good at it. But that's not what the Knicks need. They need someone to get the ball to Porzingis. They need someone to get the ball to Melo, run the pick and roll. Yeah. And Rubio could have done that. The only issue now, guys, is like you're looking at – sorry, this is a long answer. You're looking in free agency, and who's there for the Knicks to sign? Drew Holiday was the Yeah, they're target. not going to get anybody. Right. Well, they could have maybe gotten Holiday because Justin Holiday's on the team. They could have True. been his brother, obviously. But now that they have cousins, they're going to probably want to keep that core together for a few years. So I think Holiday's out the window at this point. The Knicks, Rose expires. You're looking at a free agent pool with, like, Patty Mills and Brandon Jennings. And you're going to have no point guards after Rose and Jennings deals expire. And now, as a Knicks fan, what you should really be scared of is the Knicks re-signing Derrick Rose? That's the. Big I don't think they're going to do that, though, right Kenny. I don't think they're going to do that. I, I don't think Phil Jackson. I, I know he gets a lot of, you know, he gets he gets a lot of criticism, but I don't think Phil Jackson is going to give Derrick Rose a massive contract. I think he's going to let him walk. I, I what what scares me about the Knicks is they have a lottery. They could have a lottery pick very easily this year, unless they really go for that eighth seed which knowing them they they will fight hard for what scares me is that by keeping this roster intact when you have a guy like Courtney when you have Carmelo Anthony when you have Derrick Rose win now players they're going to try to fight for a playoff spot no matter how unrealistic it seems how damaging could that be to a top five pick in a draft that is loaded with not just point guard prospects but prospects in general I feel like that's something that Knicks fans should be worried about in a, in a long term sense, is losing out on some, on a really good prospect, top five wise, because you kept this core intact. Well, so the, I, I've I've heard a lot of that, and I think the Knicks don't need a point guard in the draft. I think that's the wrong way to go. Really, I think the point guard position, point guard would be great. You know, if you were able to get Lonzo Ball or Markel Fultz, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but I think the issue here is that the point guard position is watered down in the NBA. There are a lot of Great point. There are a lot of point guards that you could plug in with the right team and win a championship. I think Ricky Rubio is one of those guys. You know, I, I don't know if Derrick Rose is. Maybe he is in the right system. The, the point is, like, point guard is not as uh, scarce as it once was. There are a lot of point guards now, maybe like 15 in the league, 20, that you could realistically be like, okay, this guy could be part of a championship game, maybe even more. I think what you need is a wing. That's where the NBA is going now. You already have a stretch five, really, of the future in Porzingis. He could play the five or the four. You need another wing, and you need a wing who can score and defend because Carmelo is is gone in a couple years, and he's really not doing a uh, – he's a good scorer, but, like, he's not doing anything free on the defensive end. You're trying to build a defensive culture. The guy I really, really would want if I were the Knicks is Jason Tatum from Duke. He's currently – he's probably going to go in the top five. He's a good five. player which yeah. is really bad news. Luke Kennard is maybe another guy that you maybe look at. He could flip to you. I just don't think that the top five is a realistic possibility for the Knicks. I just don't see them picking in the top five. I think it's a pipe dream to think they could pick there. 
think they're going to win too many games with this roster because they didn't break it exactly. up. Like you said, they have win-now players. I don't think it's that damaging, though, because if you look at the top 20, really, of this draft, there's a that's a good top 20 of players. Right, like, but... it's, it's pretty evenly dispersed, the talent in the top 20. So I think, like, if they pick 10 or 11, I'm confident they'll get a fine player. And I, I just... I, after the few, the couple point guards go off the board, I really think you should focus on but that's, uh, a wing. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying, though. Fine players, the Knicks don't need fine players. They need superstars. They need they need guys down the line that you can pair with Porzingis and hope that they both flourish at the same point and hit their peak at the same point. You need a guy like Fultz or Ball or Tatum or whoever it is. You don't want a Luke Kennard. You don't want, like, a fine Why prospect. Not? Well, I mean, you'll you'll take them, but in my opinion, the Knicks need to be focused on getting the best potential prospect, not just getting a fine prospect. They need to pretty much tank and hope that they get a fellow superstar to pair with Porzingis. Because if you just get fine players, then you're just delaying the inevitable. You're just going to be in a rotating, an unending circle of mediocrity, which is what they've been in for so long. You need to eventually hit rock bottom and luck out like they did with Porzingis. I think that's now the problem is. They didn't hit rock bottom when they had Porzingis. If you remember, they had I think like the they were second the team. third best lottery odds. Or the, right, like they right. didn't actually they're, have they didn't they didn't tank and lose. And I I think the Knicks, but that that was a, they were a top five pick. That that to me is like hitting rock bottom when you're top five in the draft. That's sure. But you're one of the worst the Knicks, teams. So I don't think the Knicks are going to hit rock bottom here. I don't, no, I don't, I don't think I don't think so. Have, also, and I don't know, but I'm just saying, I don't know if it's that damaging, and I don't think that you have to be so obsessed with, I mean, and it's not, I mean, all Knicks fans right now, I think, are, are just seething for, you know, at the fact that this this franchise is not focused on the future for so long, and they are foaming at the mouth when they look at these prospects at the top of the board. I just, to me, you have your franchise guy in Porzingis, and now you just need to put the pieces around him to win, and I don't, you know... You can't expect to draft a superstar anywhere, really. I mean, you, you, you're just True. looking for a very, very talented player. And, look, Luke Kennard, you, you know, you, you can't poo-poo these names that, that are out there in the top ten. Like, that, you know, you, if you've got a guy who can score on the wing and defend, like, that's, that's all you need. And you, don't, you have your star. You know, you, a lot of times it's, it's really, really hard to pick two stars. The Thunder were really good at it at, a few years ago. The Sixers, with all the picks that they've compiled, still really haven't done it. There's only so many stars. What you need to do is put together really, really good young players. And if you look at the Sixers roster, if you want to use their rebuild as an example, you look at a guy like Robert Covington, who's like, who, who when the Sixers are really good, is going to be a big part of that team. And by no means is he a flashy player, a superstar, but that's a guy who's a really good defender. He's going to score 15 a game when they're a really good team in three years. And Ben Simmons is a great, great passer. I'm not sure he'll ever really get to the superstar level because he's playing with Embiid, who is now clearly their superstar franchise player. But these are the types of players you need to put around your franchise guy. If the Knicks can get a good distributor, a really good scorer and defender, it's just one draft at a time, but you piece together a team. And it'll take a few years. And it's, you know, I'm not sure, frankly, that the Knicks are willing to wait but that's the type of approach that I would take, and I'm—I don't know. If, look, it's—it's it's obviously much better to be in the top five than it is at ten or eleven. I'm just not sure. It's like very—it's a critical hit to the Knicks if they don't tank and finish in the top five. Obviously, it's what they should try to do. It's what should happen. But 
I just don't. There's so many teams. Like there, there are 14 teams right now, 15 teams that have 25 wins or fewer. The Knicks have 23. It is a mess down there. It is going to be so difficult for them to get a top five pick, which is why I just think that we should temper our expectations and be like, all right, maybe they'll pick 10 or 11, and it won't be the end of the world. You can still get some great players down there. The Knicks have shown that they can scout in the middle of the first round. I just have a little faith. Maybe that's wrong. Maybe that's going to kill me one day, and then, but we'll see. How you doing, Kenny? It's Tyler Freya here. Um, I wanted to switch gears Ooh, a little. That was a long one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to switch gears a little bit and uh, talk about the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, it's been talk about a mess. Uh, it's even worse in Brooklyn as of right now. They're the worst team in the league. Um, they made a couple moves last uh, last night and this morning about um, getting Bojan Bogdanovich over to Washington. Uh, Chris McCullen over there as well. Uh, do you think they're going in the right direction? And if so, do you see them competing in uh, a couple years or not? I think that it's tough for me to say a couple of years for the Nets because it seems like every year over the past three they've just been so bad and they've been they've been just trying to rebuild and it's taken a really long time. I think the funny part about the trade line is that Brook Lopez didn't move for like the tenth straight year. <laughs> but when you talk about you know the rebuild, KJ McDaniel's is a, I think they're just making smart investments. Like KJ McDaniel's is a good a good low risk guy to bring in. Uh, personally, I was a really big fan of Boyan Bogdanovich. I thought that he, I mean, he's still relatively young. He's clearly a very good scorer and could go off at times. Like, he, he kind of looked okay. So, I, I, I thought I thought you got a decent amount back for him, though. And, and I mean, ultimately, look, Levert was a good pick. Um, they did, I believe, trade away Chris McCullough very easily, which was interesting because I thought they liked him. And I thought that they had maybe thought that he was, like, a potential um, you know, a potential guy that was like a, you know, lengthy, raw prospect. But I, I like it for the Wizards. You know, you get a 27-year-old Bogdanovich who's like a pretty good scorer on the wing, and you'll throw him in there off the bench now, and they could maybe bump up a couple spots in the East with him. Uh, I thought overall it was a pretty fair swap, and I like that the that the Nets got potentially a first-round pick if the Wizards don't make it in the lottery. And that's all they yeah, need. Yeah, the Wizards they are not going to be compile the picks. And yeah, just a quick follow up with that move of Bogdanovich to Washington. Do you think they can make a, a run to the Eastern Conference Finals? Because I think he can add depth to no. this team and um, possibly add uh, another shooter on the wing, which could help uh, Bradley Beal and John Wall. Do you, you think they get to the Eastern Conference Finals or no? I, I, I don't think so. And look, I understand. It's not a. I, I mean, it's a possibility. I just think that the Celtics are too good right now. You're not. You're not taking out LeBron. The Celtics are too good, and. Whether or not they should have made that trade for for a, a Paul George or a Boogie Cousins or whatever is is another story. But I, I, for some reason, I just have a lot of trouble trusting the Wizards. And Bogdanovich does not move the needle enough to really like he he does not add enough off the bench to push them over the Celtics. To me, I think he's a great piece. I agree with you; it was a good trade, and it definitely makes them a little more competitive for that number two or that spot in the Eastern Conference Finals. But I think when it comes down to it, the Celtics are too deep. They're too complete of a team. And, look, I like Marquise Morris, which is like the kind of the X factor on this team. He's kind of really turned it around. I've always been a big fan of his. And, you know, he's he's having a, a pretty good year with them after the trade. And so I, I like him. Uh, and I like the Wizards. But I, I don't know if they're better than the Celtics. You've got – they just—they have too many ways to beat you. They can lock you up on the wings. 
with Crowder and, and Bradley. Um, and Horford's been great. So I can't pick against the Celtics to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. Kenny, you mentioned off the top, uh, and I think this has a lot to do with the Celtics because they were uh, one of the one of the teams with the most assets to kind of get rid of and and try and acquire that player. But you mentioned how kind of underwhelming this trade deadline was because the big names like a Paul George or Jimmy Butler they didn't really or well they didn't move and and really the the big trades that we're talking about are kind of second tier third tier trades to other contenders why don't you think that those big all-star names weren't moved like why do you think that those trades kind of fizzled out and and none of the rumors that we were hearing this week uh none of those really came to fruition well i I didn't really get it with first of all with the bulls you know they didn't they clearly didn't have a good enough offer for jimmy butler and I'm not really sure they were ever totally in on moving him. So I'm willing to kind of shrug off that the fact that they didn't trade him. I think it was probably all chatter. They probably wanted to see what he was worth. They didn't see enough. Um, and, I mean, it's kind of clear now that the Celtics, like Danny Ainge, was really reluctant to pull the trigger and, you know, use his assets and go, you know, get a good star. Um I mean, because if, if Danny Ainge wanted to get Paul George or wanted to get, um, you know, a, a big star, like he could have. He, 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 they have the picks. They have Marcus Smart. They have all these young players. And, um, you know, I, I just think that that that's fine. I, but the, the bigger thing to me was Paul George. Like, Paul George, the Nuggets made what they – what was reported to be a monster offer, which I'm guessing – is like Nurkic, Harris, yeah. Wilson Chandler, a pick. Like that that that's probably a pretty good package. Gary Harris is like nineteen and he's good. Um, you know, I I, <clears throat> I might have taken that package if I were the Pacers. And it's because the other reports that came out today were that Paul George wants to uh play for the Lakers. He's, it, it's pretty clear across the league that Paul George really desires to play in LA. His contract's up. He's not they ha- the Pacers haven't gotten him any help. He's leaving. So why right. are you keeping a guy? And they made the decision to keep him today. Why are you keeping him if he's just going to bolt? And you could have gotten maybe a, a you know a few good players from the Nuggets. I just don't understand why they would have held on to him. That's the one that to me that was kind of a head scratcher that that they didn't get rid of him. I thought that well, I thought that was there for him. They, they'll have time though, probably to reconsider offers because he's he's under contract to what after two thousand eighteen. So. Yeah. Maybe maybe they didn't feel like making a rash rash decision like right now on Paul George. I I don't know that. I guess that's my guess. But I I agree, Kenny. It, it, the Nuggets were willing probably to offer anything besides Jokic. You, I mean, I I can't right. imagine what? who else. I mean, who else would they say is untouchable? Maybe Jamal Murray. I feel like he would be one of the no. key pieces though. I don't think they would say anyone's untouchable. Um, I think that uh, and he's got the player option after next year, so it's really next year at the deadline is is going to be on expiring. Um, is Paul George? I think uh, no. I, I I think it would be anyone but Jokic, really. Yeah. And I think uh, they wanted. I think they made the decision that they want to build around Jokic, and if they could build around Jokic and George, like that would be the they want to do that. So I think they were willing to go all in on those two guys and then figure out the rest. Even the um, Hawks were rumored to be interested in Paul George. Uh, apparently, ESPN reported that the Atlanta Hawks made trade uh, draft pick, you know, center trade offers for Paul George. I, I thought that was surprising. Right, and that's, 
that's what they would have to do because they don't have the young guys to to pull that off. Really, Bazemore is not young. Tim no. Hardaway Jr. is like worth a second round pick. <laughs> um, they don't have a, they really don't have enough there, and that's why it's uh, it's kind of it was kind of tough for them to, to make that trade happen. But uh, no, I mean, like you said, they have another year. You know, it makes sense that they they might want to wait. I just thought right. Without knowing the package, I know that I mean I, I like a lot of those young guards on the Nuggets, and and I like Nurkic as well. And if you could have gotten two good guards and a skilled center, you know, uh, that to me might have been all I wanted. Really, I mean, what 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 more are you going to get next year? Yeah. Well, I mean, it was an interesting deadline. I I, I think I couldn't have refreshed my Twitter feed more than I did. Uh, looking for 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 rumors, and yet nothing happened. So it was kind of unf- unfulfilling. But this interview was fulfilling. It was good to have you on, Kenny. Uh, it's it's always good to talk to you, and we'll let you get back to work. I know you got a lot to do at SI. Thank you, Kenny. Thanks, okay. Kenny. Yeah, you too, guys. It, this was a good chat. I'm glad we got to uh, <laughs> get all our takes out on the table. Yeah. And, uh, anytime you want me, just let me know. Right, we will cool. definitely reach out to you. Thanks again. Yeah. No problem. Kenny Ducey, uh, Fordham grad, WFV alum, SI.com, doing great work over there. It's always good to have him on and give, give us his take. Founder of Pick and Pod, you said? Founder, Founder of Pick and Pod. Yeah. Yes, I, that's that should be the leading. That's the lead. That's yeah. his biggest <laughs> that's, accomplishment. Yeah, it's, is... it's, we're the legacy, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's why he's always so grateful to come back on and. It's always great to have him on. I disagree. I, I think I was gonna say, yeah. it's a significant missed opportunity for, for the, the Knicks. Knicks to not tank and get a top five pick. I don't think they're in a position to just get fine players in the fringe lottery, late lottery. I don't I mean, like Kenny said, I mean they're good players, you take them, but the Knicks have an opportunity in a loaded draft to get a special player. Doesn't mean he's gonna work out. Yeah. And I, I think that um, Kenny wasn't really um, too upset about the Knicks staying put, but I think that was a major mistake. You have D. Rose, who's going to be leaving after this year for probably nothing because he's looking for max money. Um, I think that they should have unloaded this team a while ago, like Christian has been saying. And, you know, you have a really deep draft, so they made some mistakes. And, you know, what? it's the Knicks, so it's nothing new. <laughs> yeah, and, and when you look at building a team, which is really what the Knicks obviously are doing now, if you look at just recent examples like like Golden State, um, you know, I, I forget who else we were touching on, but Golden State, if you look at how they built themselves, they built themselves through the draft, and granted, it were, it wasn't all top five picks. It was, you know, hitting on the right players. OKC is another one that I that I thought of, um, and that was more toward the he toward said, the front yeah, of the OKC, draft. Right. Um, but so OKC, they had Durant, Westbrook, Harden. They had those three guys that had, had all things gone right, they probably would have won a championship with that core. Obviously, it didn't work out, but the the Warriors now they built that core with Curry, Thompson, and and Draymond Green, and I don't think that those are, uh, you know, one franchise guy and then just building around him. Those are three legitimate stars, perennial all stars. That you know, it's it's not just getting that next guy in in the lottery of the draft and right. building it around Porzingis. You need almost a Porzingis equivalent so that you can exactly. build around multiple guys, especially in this big three culture of the NBA, where you yeah. need a, you know a few guys like LeBron. Really, could, he couldn't do it on his own. He needed right. Dwayne Wade, or and, and obviously they were later in their career, Kyrie Irving, um, who's who's more of a veteran now. But you need multiple stars on one team. You can't just win it with one guy. I think it's very short-sighted to say just get a bunch of good players and put them around Porzingis. 
That is the last thing you want to do for Porzingis. You need to get, like you said, a Porzingis equivalent. You need to get him some serious help. You cannot win without at least two superstars and like an all-star. You need two to three stars on your team. Then you're the Pelicans. Look at the Pelicans. They had Pelicans. Anthony Davis, who's a legitimate, like top tier star in this league. They weren't even in the playoff picture, yeah. and now they've they've gotten a second star in Cousins. But they've the Pelicans realized they can't win with just Anthony Davis and a bunch of you know role players. They got to get multiple guys, and and we'll see if their big man model works. But um, at, because you know the the current NBA is more draft and and you know small forward oriented but even the pelicans realized you can't just win with one of those you know top tier big men you need multiple guys yeah no i agree 100 percent with you with what you're saying especially with the big three culture in the nba yeah. now it's it's really tough to win with look, look what russell westbrook's doing with just basically himself and um a couple of good role players on that team they're sitting the bottom of the playoff pitcher in the West, but without those second or third uh, superstar or stars on your yeah. team, you're James not James Harden too. Exactly, He's kind of in the same. Predicament, exactly, but they're you know? doing a lot better. But I yeah. hear what you're saying, which is one superstar on the team. But I think the Knicks and Phil Jackson didn't help them at all with the his recent um, actions towards their star player Melo. So right. I think it's going to be really hard for the Knicks to try to land a free agent. And you mentioned Golden State and all those players, uh, with uh, the exception of Durant, were drafted. So I think it comes back to you know, not tanking. I I was talking to Christian. I don't like the word tank because you want to be competitive, but you you got Sixers do now. The, second, the last three years they've been tanking. So right. I I think the Knicks need can, to um yeah need to find find it somewhere in the draft. You can term it tanking, or you can just term it. You know, if Going I were if I were term. the Knicks, I would want to get rid of my veterans who I know really aren't taking me anywhere. That's that's Rose and you're not going to get rid of Noah because of that contract, but Rose and uh, Carmelo and those kind of guys who. You know what you are with them. Just kind of, I would try and get what you can value-wise for them, and then you develop your younger players. You develop guys who are on your bench right now. Put them in the starting role. You'll be worse off for it now. You get a better draft position um, because of it there. And also, guys get NBA experience. They get more minutes. They get more progression in their development. That's that's yeah. what I would be doing if I'm the Knicks. I thought it was funny because I'm, I'm not trying to bash Kenny at all. I think he made a lot of good points. But no, definitely. He yeah. talked he talked about Philly and he talked about Robert Covington. The only reason people are talking about Philly are because of their top three picks. It's because Simmons, of Embiid Simmons, and Embiid, and now Okafor was a failure. But Noel, I mean, all these guys were were top picks. They were top prospects. They were not talking about Robert Covington last year when when Joel Embiid was an un. Was a, was a question mark. I mean, he was a good player last year, Robert Covington, but nobody was talking about him. They're talking about him now because the Sixers are winning, and the reason the Sixers are winning is because of those superstar prospects that they drafted when they tanked. tanked yeah. you know, tanking gets a bad rap, but tanking is is it's looked at as short 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 term, not being con- competitive. But in actuality, it's to make you more competitive for the long term. So tanking is. Very respectable, in my opinion. I think it's very, I think it's admirable because it takes a lot of guts to kind of sabotage your team in the short run for the long run. Yeah, no, I, I hear you on that 100%. And um, with the Knicks mediocrity that's been uh, displayed for the past 20 years, I mean, me and Christian are from New York, so we, uh, we've we seen it firsthand our whole life. I know you're from the Boston area, right? Mm, yep. So you've seen a lot of winning in your past, <laughs> uh, in, your, in your fandom as a sports fan, but... Yeah, it does get a bad rap, and I wouldn't be complaining if they were to tank and they to get a guy like Alonzo Ball. But it's too late for this season. But 
I don't know. It's just a really sticky situation the for worst, the Knicks. The worst thing in the NBA is mediocrity. Yeah. You either need to be right at the top competing, or really, or, or you just gotta or you rebuild gotta be your last. you gotta rebuild your system. If really, you, you gotta. If you ain't first, you're last. Yeah. <laughs> Ricky Bobby. And and <laughs> we we talked about it off the air with you know the Pacers and back to back to Paul George who didn't move today. The Pacers were good for a few years. Yeah. Um, they challenged the Heat in the Eastern Conference, and and they had some really great players on those teams. But they couldn't get over the hump, even though they were contending, and and they I don't think even those teams were really like top level teams. I, they right. they were never gonna get past the Heat. And now look at them; they're mediocre because they have good enough players to be in the playoff picture. But really, they're gonna lose George probably, and because they didn't trade him today, they're gonna lose him probably for nothing because he'll just walk us. Uh, you know, as yeah. we're assuming to Lakerland out in L.A. Yeah. But uh, right now they're just mediocre, and then they're going to be terrible for five, ten years in in the future, in a couple of years. We'll, we'll wrap up in a couple of minutes because we're going over a little bit. But you know, if you're if you're a non-major market team, I understand. You know, just trying to make the playoffs or ticket sales and things like that be relevant. But if you're a major market team who sells out no matter what, like the Knicks, like the Knicks there yeah. is no point in being a playoff team if you're not going to win the NBA championship. To me, it's either go for it all, whether it's recruiting for agents or tanking. And, and and I think you either have to go for it all or you have to tank. And there's a, the only the only oh. thing it's championship or bust in a major market like well, New York or LA. The only the only thing is there's a point to making the playoffs even if you're not a championship contender if you're building something with young players. Right. If right, you have right, right. veterans like Carmelo Anthony and Derrick Rose, where are you going in the exactly. future? Exactly. There's no that's, direction. That's the predicament there. Yeah. Is if if you have you know Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins and you're building something in Minnesota, it makes sense to try and be the Eight, eight seed, seven seed, six seed, and try and you know get above that ten seed or nine seed line, right. and and get playoff experience, get um, that that progression in your uh, in your system that you have in place in your plan. But if you're a, an older team like the Knicks, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah, we all agree that like the Celtics shouldn't have given up as much as the Pacers were asking no. for Paul George. So let's just this last minute talk a little bit about the Nets. I like the move. The moves the Nets made. They got a first round pick for Bogdanovich. Yeah. He's a good player, but you get a first round pick for him. KJ McDaniel's. You kind of take flyer on him for a second round pick. You know they're just looking for something. They're looking for a spark. They're looking for a nice little find. And, yeah. I, and I think Sean Marks is doing a good job. I was just going to say Sean Marks at the helm now in, in replacing Billy King is a key component for the Nets because Billy King kind of dug a hole and stuck this franchise right in it a couple years ago <laughs> with that Boston Celtics trade. So. I love Sean Marks. I love what he's doing. And this right here shows that, you know what, he's not going to just sit here and be the worst team in the NBA. He's trying to make the necessary steps. He's got two picks in the first round this year now, even though they're giving their first, their most likely top three pick to the Celtics. But he's making the necessary efforts to get younger and surround Brooke Lopez, who's still, he still has some time left in this league. Surround 28, him with, yeah, yeah. Yeah, surround him with some young players. And you know what, maybe they can compete in a, in a year or two. So I, I like what Sean Marks is doing a lot. I think, unfortunately, for Nets fans, that they're not going to, because of that trade that they made with the Celtics and not having their picks, which would be first overall, second overall, right at the top of the draft, they would be right at the top of the draft for the next couple of years because they're not getting those picks and because they really, you know, they blew it trying to go for a veteran-laden team um, to make exactly. the playoffs and, and to contend. That didn't work out, and, and because of that trade that they made, they're not, I don't think they'll be any good for, no, they, for a couple of years. They're not going to be At least relevant. a couple, yeah, at least a couple of years. They're not going to be relevant for a while. And, and look, Sean Marks is doing what any 
any guy in, in, using logic would do is build up a talent pool. Maybe it ends up being something that you can use in the future when you get draft picks to surround those draft picks with this talent pool. Or maybe it ends up being trade pieces. Maybe they can trade you know, a guy like Karis LeVert. I don't know. That's not the he has a lot of upside, have. too. He has though. a lot of upside. So if, if, he doesn't, if you don't think he's a fit for your team a few years down the line, maybe he's a fit for somebody else. Sean Marks is getting assets. He's building a team full of assets. And yeah. I think Nets fans, you know, you don't have any draft picks, so you might as well not tank. You might as well try to win right now. And then see where it takes you. Speaking, and this is uh, selfish on my part as as a Bostonian, but speaking of those <laughs> assets um, and and those specifically those Brooklyn picks that the Celtics got in that trade, what do you guys think of the Celtics' direction and and well, the I fact think, that they didn't make a trade at the deadline? I think they have a small window right now uh, to win a championship. I think you know they could have they could have gone into the finals actually if they would have gone to Paul George or Jimmy Butler. It would have been tough still. I still would have given Cleveland the edge, the edge but. I also don't blame them for giving up, you know, a guy like Jay Crowder or Avery Bradley or Mark Smart or all of those guys for Paul George. So I think they made the right move staying pat. Probably. Yeah, I, I agree with you 100 percent because they were they were going to give up way too much for just one player. And I know it's like a, it's a win now type situation for them. You want to be able to compete with the Cavs this year, given that you have IT who's an MVP candidate. So that you're basically one piece away from getting to that level of of a a fair competition with the Cavs, who has been running through the Eastern Conference the last couple of years. So I, it's the right move to stay put. Um, they still have these picks. They're not going anywhere. So they'll, 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 be, uh, they'll be making some moves yeah, in the offseason. they're going to be fine. Yeah, I think that they have a long window, actually, because of those because they do have those picks and they can That's, yeah, progress. I've, yeah, they can they have draft a long those window. guys and develop. And that, I, that looks to be the route that they're going down now because for all these years we've been hearing the Celtics, oh, they have those picks. They can make a move for a big player. And I think that they just determined that Jimmy Butler, Paul George, those guys who I think are really like 10th or 12th best in the league, Jimmy Butler might even be down near 15. Right. They're, they're definitely all-star players, but I don't think they're a transformative piece. And I think that even if they got one of those guys, because of what they were giving up, even if it was um, you know more role players like Avery Bradley or, or Marcus Smart, I think that getting those guys wouldn't have pushed them over the top of Cleveland. Right. And I think that just being that second team in the East or just making the Eastern Conference Finals, as we talked about with the Pacers a few years ago, that's really, you know, great right now. You know, it's great that you're in the Eastern Conference Finals, but in a few years you'll be mortgaging your future because you won't be any good. Or you'll have those guys and, and you'll be mediocre. And we just talked about how mediocrity is not what you want. So, yeah, I mean, they have a long window. I, I misspoke. I meant, like, more so this no, roster in particular. But, you know, we could talk about this for <laughs> legit hours, as you can tell. Uh, we, uh, This is a very, you know, entertaining topic. The trade deadline is always a lot of fun. Uh, as I said many times, it was underwhelming. But uh, who knows? Maybe this sets up for an interesting summer. Anyway, uh, you know, thanks again to Kenny Ducey, SI.com. Uh, follow him on Twitter. He's an active tweeter. <laughs> very, um, very, very active. Thanks again to, to Michelle Mitchell producing. We didn't get a chance to thank her yet, but thank you to Michelle um, and, and Brendan and Tyler. Great job as usual. I'm Christian Goey, and we will be on next week at, yes. on Wednesdays. Yep. Wednesday. So, so tune in. Thanks, guys.